And we are a go. This is the Coach Cameron podcast. Uh, joining to me today again is Rick Tillman, the uh, Director of Coaching of FC Patavia. Did I say that right? Patavia? You did say that right. Yeah. That's good. All right, good. So um, thanks for coming on. Very happy to be here. I was very excited about last time, so I couldn't wait to get back. We got a lot of feedback from parents as well that wanted to get us back and talk about a few more topics. So thanks for having me again. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't like our last episode. I, I, I loved how you talked about. It. I had a problem listening to me. I was like skipping sentences and stuff, drinking too much caffeine, <laughs> and here I go again with a bang, purple haze, purple uh, haze, purple haze. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna try to slow down with my words and make sure uh, it's coherent. So, but you did a great job. Uh, I think we we got the uh, sound fix for this podcast. Um, but uh, yeah, welcome. How how what have you been doing since? Uh, I last saw you. Let's see. What's it been? Two, three weeks ago, right? Since yeah. I was in. Uh, obviously working, you know, a lot of sessions, a lot of training. And as director of coach, also, by the way, I'm also the president of the club. So I'm just not leading the club on the field, but also off the field. So dealing with the landing fields and insurance and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I do now 24-7 for a living. It's not a hobby. It's not a side gig. It's just like you, you know, you wake up and it's soccer. Living, eating, breathing, the stuff. Yeah, it's a. How many how many hours do you work in? Uh, not the administrative side, but uh, it, with the kids on the field. I do about nine sessions of an hour and a half each. So that's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, three sessions a day, and then of course coaching in the weekends, which comes down to a minimum of three games, and sometimes in a tournament, easily up to like eight or ten, and if you reach the final, even up to eleven or twelve. Friday night, Saturday. Like this weekend, I got two teams in the Desert Classic. Uh, two games on Friday night, three games planned already on Saturday, and then Sunday, another two. So I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but that adds up to about seven or eight. Nice. Well, I was talking to Milos Tomic. Yeah, good, and good guy. He, and uh, we're, we're talking, and um, I was mentioning about how we want to get together and start organizing Groups that actually play the game in such a way that it's not so focused on winning, it's focused on development. And yes, not, sir. Not yeah, about... he, he thinks the same way as us, I think. Also, yeah. but obviously from Europe, right? What is he? Yugoslavian, Croatian, Serbian? Uh, he's from the... Something like that. He's, he's uh, Serbian. There you go. I hope so. Because if he's <laughs> not, I'm, I'm in big right. trouble. <laughs> but obviously he grew up in a culture where they also eat and breathe that, slu- uh, that stuff. So he knows what to teach at what age. And again, we talked about this last time, unlike some coaches that maybe focus a bit too much on strength or conditioning or tactics or set pieces at the ages of seven or eight in order to win that next game on this Saturday. Milos is one of those guys that thinks like us, you know, long term. What, where do we want a player to be five, six years from now instead of trying to win this Saturday's game? Yeah, and spread lies about what they really can do for your child. I, I always say this, Rick. I'm like, I... I can do. I can create an environment that your child can get a lot better. There's no doubt about that. But there's no promises. I, there's no promise you're going to go play Division One or professional or anything like that. That I, I put a lot of that on the the home structure and how they're the whole discipline side and being to be a good human being and work ethic. That's in the home. You know, we can teach. There's no doubt about it. But those 
there's not there's not enough of them. I think the difference between a Division One athlete and not, um, far. I mean, it, you compare compare Phoenix College to GCU, who we play next Saturday, by the way. Oh, okay. The difference between us and them is not talent; it's discipline. Mm-hmm. That's it. And if we show up disciplined, GCU will be in big trouble. Awesome. Um, but uh, there's no no different. I think we have more talent than they do. They're just disciplined. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference is, is that's the, the big key. There's too many kids are just not, they don't get up early. They're not willing to put in the work and do all the extra things that are needed to right. advance their game. Yeah. And 100% agreed. And to go back to what you just said about the coaches that promise golden mounds, you know, I, if I was a soccer parent, I would be very, and by the way, I am one. I got the soccer boys, twins. They're born in 2000, so they're kind of done with playing high school. But yeah, so as a soccer fan, I would be very hesitant uh, taking somebody very seriously who promises you, you know, guarantees you almost uh, scholarships or a professional career. As you well know, there are so many factors that come into play that can ruin your plans, even if you're the best athlete with the best skills. My goodness, it's it, it depends on so many factors whether you're going to make it or not. And I think you just touched on the most important one. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to sacrifice a lot of your social schedule in order to uh, to make it? Yeah. So, Rick, you come, you had you had some questions you got from some parents. So I'm going to tell you a story as you uh, get those questions from your phone. Um, I was talking to one of my parents on my academy, and uh, she comes up to me and goes, Oh, Coach Dave, you're going to be very upset with me. I'm like, why is that? Because oh, I, 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 went, I yelled at the coach uh, at the last game. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, the coach was uh, making comments about my son to his player. And I guess, got, you know, it was inappropriate. There's no doubt. And, of course, she went nuts. And I said, I'm like, why why'd you do that? You know, she's like, I'm defending my son. I'm like, I'm like, you, I'm like, you lost the best opportunity to teach right there. You, yes. you had, I mean, you only get those emotional situations. What the coach did was wrong about making fun of their child or whatever, a way to get stuck in and, and really kind of like right. intimidate the player. I'm like, you had a perfect opportunity to teach your child to deal with that. Yeah. And, and look at your son and be like, get up. Deal yeah. with it. What are you going to do? Stay about focused. It? Can you keep, can you control your emotions? All the little things that you need at the next level. Yes. You, not just in soccer. Let's say you don't like your boss later in life at your job. What are you going to do? Quit? Have your mommy call your boss? And yeah. Say, you, know? you can't. You can't do it. But the good thing is she listens. She. I'm like, I have no problem with you addressing that coach, but do it after the game. But be excited that this coach actually added something to the game, mm-hmm. which it isn't appropriate. But you had a learning opportunity to. Talk to your child. And say, "Hey, that's that's life. That's that's the game." I mean, that's just what happens. And can your son or daughter control themselves in that situation and deal with it after? Yes, hundred percent agree. And so again, you, you're not going to get that again. Yes, sir, hundred percent agree. So again, not to get too philosophical again, but it's on our website. So I do practice what I preach, which is that soccer is like a vehicle for life, um, a microcosm of life. So in other words, through soccer, we teach uh, things that kids are going to benefit from the rest of their lives, even if they quit playing at the age of 16. I'm talking about teamwork. I'm talking about leadership, communication, commitment, uh, self-discipline, what you're big on, you know? 
let's say they don't uh, play soccer anymore when they're 18, that's going to benefit them the rest of their lives. And that's what I'm proud of, that through soccer you teach that we're more than soccer uh, coaches. We are, in a way, life coaches as well. Yeah. And, and it's not only teaching the kids, you got to teach the parents. Amen. Parent peace is huge. Speaking yeah. of which, before we get to the first question, uh, so we have Tom Beyer uh, coming in. Do you know Tom Beyer? I don't think I do. So Tom Beyer, he's on uh, – if you go to my website, uh, coachcamera.com, it's right at the front page. They have He was on the Bryant Gumbel um, show oh, okay. on HBO. Um, so he's an American that pretty much lived more in Japan. He actually was in Japan. He was part of uh, the Cover method and then segued away from him. So that was er- early Cover. Gotcha. Like he's he's been in Japan over, I think, 35 years. How do you spell that last name, Byer? B-Y-E-R. Gotcha. So he's he's known throughout the world, but he actually um, in Japan um, had a cartoon show that he taught children how to play soccer on a cartoon show. He was a cartoon character, and um, so every morning before school, the this was on the most popular uh, TV show, and they had segments of him teaching soccer, and then he would go. Uh, he was sponsored by Nestle Quick and went to like all these different. Um, camps and he would do clinics and everyone would get a little ball and they would teach technique mm-hmm. and then the whole cut he's credited for the women's win the world cup because he trained all of them he taught them initially the japanese technique was through that. him yep. so now he's in australia he's in china and now he's the technical director for houston dynamo gotcha um so i know him because i i have uh rio sugahara who played for me who's the player of the year here at 2013 was uh, the player of the camp at one of his uh, camps he held in Japan with Nestle Quick, which is at his clinics slash camps, 1,000 kids on average. And he picks one player the, uh, of the camp, and he was one of them. That's no and joke. so when we got him, that's how we kind of network and met. And yeah. I, I saw him at the – he spoke at the soccer convention and stuff. We've uh, developed a pretty good relationship. Mm-hmm. So we're flying him in, and he's doing a free um, – a free seminar or free lecture next Saturday at two thirty PM. It's for parents. Um, typically the, the little ones, but, um, what are it, the topics of the lecture going to so be? So he, he focuses on, uh, child development of birth to six, gotcha. what you can do with players from birth to six. Interesting. So he, he claims, and he has videos of his son at one, two, three, by age six, they're both right and left footed. I believe it. And then back to the discipline thing, uh, we, uh, so I'm big into the cover method as well. Uh, actually trained on the Paul Mariner, who is one of the international consultants. He's friends with Paul Mariner. There you go. It's in a small world. So then he probably also knows Charlie Cook and Alfred Golostian, who are the big, uh, big guys at the uh, curve after Will Curver himself. You know, Will Curver is a Dutch guy, right? Yeah. He was the first one in the seventies. I think who started breaking it down. That's why he named all those moves after players. And it started becoming a bit more scientific. And um, I learned from Paul, who works a lot of uh, camps in Japan, that the Japanese players and maybe Asian in general are very disciplined. They're very respectful. While the American kids sometimes, you know, yes, coach, but the but, yeah. the but generation, <laughs> I call it. But this, but that. And we got just a Japanese kid joining our Batavia 02 team. His name is Kensho. And again, very hardworking, super respectful. Yes, coach, no coach. I wonder if that's also one of the reasons why uh, 
the Japanese women's team at least, but also the men. You know, they used to be a joke back in the 80s, and now they are suddenly no longer a joke. Uh, yeah, what the, the Japanese men are missing is that killer instinct of scoring. Yeah. They don't have the goal scores, but they'll keep the ball all day. All day long. And then and fit like crazy. The final third, they have problems. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, the women are definitely uh, thriving through the, the technical development that yeah. they're getting. Yeah. Um, but let's go ahead and start with the question. So what do you have? Sure. So since the last time we talked, um, there were a few questions that came in through my Instagram and Facebook through the FC Batavia one. Let's see. Mom called Jenny Gwynn. I think you know her as well, mm-hmm. right? You just, I know Jenny. Uh, some of your players, uh, some of her uh, kids go to your camps. Oh, how mm-hmm. do you know her? Yeah, uh, they play in her, um, when they're available, they're in her uh, academy. Gotcha. Which is not ASA. It's just Phoenix College. You, you sign a disclaimer. We just do technique and play. Gotcha. Let me just read it quickly because this is a very good point, I think. Um, she goes, I'd love to hear you talk about what players who aren't the biggest or the fastest at a young age, let's talk 10 to 14 years old, what can they do to not get frustrated or get bypassed by those bigger and faster kids? I think a lot of kids who focus on skill but aren't the big athletic kid can get frustrated in these early years. And then she goes on a little bit, but I think that is the, the gist of it. What do you think of that, uh, Listen, we're not uh, American football or basketball. If you're not six foot something in basketball, I think you can never reach the NBA. Maybe I'm wrong, but it's going to be extremely difficult. Just like American football, if you're not a certain size or a certain speed, then forget about it. But I always go back to the best player of the last 10 years in the world is six foot, five foot seven, I think. Right, Messi? Isn't he five seven? If he's lucky, yeah. If he's lucky on a good day. On cleats, he's five seven. And then the captain here for the Phoenix Rising. Uh, what's his name? Asante or someone? Five foot two, five foot three. So the beauty I think about that is that soccer is not one of those sports that if you don't have those athletic qualities that you can write off your career. There are ways to compensate it. Yes, you've got to be either super technical or super aggressive or super, uh, let's see, tactical so you can see the field real good and make great decisions. But that would be my advice to Jenny and other soccer fans to not give up too early because your kid isn't the best, best athletes at age 10 yet. So my 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 suggestion on, on that is if you're in an environment where the the focus is in youth soccer, if it focuses on playing long ball and being athletic and it became, becomes an athletic game versus a technical game, right? And which is development, uh, remove your child from that uh, that team immediately from that culture or whatever it is, get out, run like the wind. I, I pulled my son out, uh, Jack Cody as well out of club soccer, like, cause I didn't have time to coach him. And then I had him in with other, other groups. And I just at least three years. I mean, Jack's missed club three years. Cody's missed three. I kind of pulled the whole family out and I'm like, this is mm-hmm. not worth it. Yeah. Everyone wants to win so bad. They don't want to teach technique. They, you better be removed from the cancer. And find, sorry, find, you gotta find, you gotta find a a team. I never say club because I just don't know. Like, I don't know enough about your club. Like, do you really control everything? And you, you might, I don't, I always say find, find a coach. I I don't want to say Del Sol is the worst. I, I, I don't know. I know they have a lot of bad, but I don't think they're, 
from what I've seen, like RSL, it's a huge club. I can't say, oh, go RSL. I wouldn't say that. I would say go to Milos. Yes. Go to Diego. Go to you know, go to Rick. Go to Striker Aguilar. Go go to people that focus on technique and play the game, and then you can develop. Hundred percent agree. You need it. You need. I think the game is so important because if you if you're in an environment that's focused, being an athlete, athletes are always an athlete. You, you didn't have to teach me to run real hard, right? Or go through someone and being great. That's just natural thing I had. You can't just, teach it. Can't teach it. That's adrenaline. Jeans, God, whatever you call it. You cannot teach speed or height. I would do anything to go back in time if I could find a coach that actually told, stop running for breakaways, come get the ball, receive it, and see if you can combine for once in your life. Amen to that. And that's where coaches and sometimes whole clubs go wrong. Again, the short-term vision, that tactic, you know, putting that big, tall kid on top, throwing a ball over the top. Short-term, it might work. You might win this Saturday because of that. But that striker is going to be such a limited player five years down the road. Yeah. And the whole team is not developing because, yeah, it's like that movie, you know, kick it to the Italian. What is it? Kicking, kicking and streaming. Kick, yeah, kicking kick, and kick it to the Italians. Yeah, that, that ain't going but, to work. So but, that long-term vision, I, so to answer Jenny's question, I agree with you. First of all, uh, if you're in a team already that focuses on that long ball and just short-term winning, get out of there like the Dickens, I agree. But to go early on that, don't, you know, do your research before you have your kids commit to a team and a coach that plays that kind of style. Really be very, very careful. Think long term. You, you can't play. You're better playing, you know, if, if, if you have a daughter and you found a boys team to actually play, go play with the boys team. If you find a team that's not as good, but they play the right, you got to play with them. It, you can't. Everyone thinks about, oh, look at God Soccer, their ring. I'm like, who cares? Who on earth cares about it, standings and divisions at this age? My no, goodness. No, man. you have. How many times is your kid touching the ball and having success on the field? Yeah. That's is he, huge. Is he or she getting better? That's a little bit more important than what division. I think we spoke about this last time. It's sometimes you call it, it's like an Instagram post. The parents have bragging rights at the local cocktail oh. party because their kids play yeah. DA or they traveled just to Chicago because. You know, it's ECNL and whatnot. Sorry, I almost have to laugh about that attitude. It's it's wrong in, from so many points of view. So I'm glad that guys like you, me, Milos, I don't know if you know Boris, Boris Terevich. Yeah, Boris. Those, those guys think the right way. I really believe so. Yeah, there's uh, people, not clubs. Amen. It's just and, – and I've ran a club. I've always had my same vision. My club got – I didn't organize it in a way – to have much control, it just got too big, and then eventually, just like I lost it mm-hmm. because it was too. I, all these teams wanted to come because they felt like, oh, I could survive in, in the club with Coach Cameron, and then they go doing their own thing, and then I'm I can't even focus on developing kids because I'm too busy yelling at coaches and teams and parents. And it just yeah. it's such a huge fight. That's one of the downsides. So, but even though I've been doing this for over twenty years, I was to director of coaching at uh, at Des Elite for twelve years. But, and then I struck out on my own. But that's one of the things I regret, that I'm still coaching myself too many teams. <clears throat> so I just mentioned I do nine sessions per week. So I don't get too much at the moment still to the actual overseeing part of it, the DOC stuff, the director of yeah. coaching stuff. I think if you want to claim to be a United club, you got to meet with your coaches at least once or twice per month. They got to go over the same training curriculum. Uh, DOC has to visit a lot of games of the teams that he doesn't coach so he can see if his vision comes through and i mean i know batavia will get there it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when but yeah 
if that's I, the way it should be. If if I did it over again, I would not go. I would not look for an A licensed coach or anything like that. I would want college kids, impressionable that would follow that want to learn. Yes, sir. I would not go after the expensive coach. Yeah, I I would I would okay. I would not at all. I wouldn't pay much. I would I would really focus on. Um, getting young guys are going to listen. It's better for a coach to say nothing and just take notes and, and report back to me yeah. than to do that. I, I think if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't be like, oh, get this coach because he's going to bring a lot of kids to so screw that. Yeah. That I think parents can be sold on we're going to develop at all costs. We're not going to focus on winning. And, you know, I'd rather have two college kids coaching a, a team on the weekend for me to be there to identify what's going on versus what you get. I, I, I brought friends over that, you know, were coaching, but then they, they get all, I own this team and then they'll, then they'll they leave. build their own little kingdoms. They're yeah. a little bit set in their ways already. They're yeah. not as open to feedback anymore. My way is the best way. I, I agree with that. I would never mess with it ever. I would get young coaches that want to learn and believe in the vision. Yep. And, that's how you build. Yeah, I, I I would not mess with anything else. And and, and parents will be and always got stuck with that because I listen to parents, mm-hmm. and then they would put me in a situation where I'm like I listen way too much. Like uh, we need we need a, a coach with a stronger resume and stuff. No, I need a a loyal uh, coach that's going to just do what they're told and and, and learn in the vision. They don't need super coach on the sideline. Mm-hmm. They need super protector. Yeah. Keep the parents under control, and which is probably harder, but I don't know. I, I it's started, complicated. It is complicated, but as far as the licensing, I, I kind of in my early in my career, I, I shrug it off because you know I play pro myself. I know better than, than a piece of paper. What is a diploma going to do for you? I just recently got my USSF. See, I think it teaches you more to think uh, how to structure a session and maybe like a yearly curriculum. I did learn from that, but yeah, as far as teaching technique at a younger age, I did. I don't need any license for that. No, so I agree with that. You want to move to that next question? Yeah, next question. Okay, this is one of my. Oh, uh, so I got a 2008 team, and uh, Aiden's dad, Patrick, is asking, or is saying, the misperceptions around what it takes to be recruited from high school or club into college level is a great topic, and often a topic that is misunderstood. Dave, I think that's one of yours, man, because. You are the expert at the at the college scene more so than I. Yeah, like so. It's very simple in my book. You just got to be good. That is it. I'll give you an example. I was at, I was watching Carl Hayden um, play North High School. There's this African kid, sophomore, in my opinion, best player on the field. Then I find out the kid never played club, just got here from Africa. He's a refugee, permanent resident. And so what I did, I got on the phone and called Barcelona Academy. I called Ramiz and uh, said, hey, have you seen this kid? And they're like, no. I'm like, you guys need to come watch him. So he's going to be watched by Barcelona Academy because he showed he could play soccer at a high school game with coaches that have zero licensing, which hardly get paid. They're just doing right. it out of the kindness of their heart. Yeah. But the game will show what they can do regardless. I mean – you don't care about North High School. I do. It's my neighbor here, and I get so much talent from North High School. Sure. That's why I recruit them so they're so close. It's not Hamilton. It's not Xavier. It's not 
you know, these bigger high schools mm-hmm. where everyone's thinking. But if he's good as I saw that night, Barcelona's going to give, you know, if he can make that first team, he'll get everything paid for and be part of the next step in his career, right. whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but this whole thing about going to college showcases, and you'll see like a hundred coaches. I, I've been to these ECNL events, and there's all these coaches around them. And and I'm telling you, it's a hangout convention. I'm there. We're hanging out and we're networking, not for Studying, players. Yeah, of course, they're not looking at players. They're there. They look like they're maybe the newbies are trying to find something. But the only time they would go is because a coach from that club said this player can play. Right. And they'll go watch one player or whatever it might be. Yep. But they're not randomly just looking. If you're in a showcase and you have prior contact with a coach, the likelihood of being identified is zero unless you're good. Right. Like you, you're a difference maker. Yes. And I don't see difference makers at these things right. at all. Well, and that's, again, the Golden Mountains, the promises that some of these clubs and coaches make. You know, Come to our club, come to our team because we go to ECNL or DA, we go to this showcase. And that majorly increases your chances of getting a scholarship. I'm just not sure if I'm buying into it. Isn't it? I mean, you're the expert once again. You you are a college coach. Isn't it the player that uh, recruits him or herself instead of the team that you're on, instead of the the showcases you go to? It's it's the player. If right. you're good, you're good. I mean, people talk. Soccer community's close. If you do something stupid, sure. everyone knows. True. If you do something great, everyone knows. Right. Um, I'll give you an example. I was at the coaching convention in LA uh, a couple years ago, and I listened to the UCLA coach after they won the national title on the women's side. And they were asking these questions, you know, how do you identify talent, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, they're like every time, every email they receive with video, they watch it. If it's directed to them, it's not one of those spam right. things. Yeah. If if they if someone spends time say I really want to look at an institution, they send a video, they look at it. And they told the story of a girl who started on the national championship team who they went in the middle of nowhere in uh, Wyoming to watch this girl play high school game because they liked their video. They showed up to this high school game. They were the only college coach on the field because of a video they liked and they picked her up and they liked that because they didn't have to compete right, with right, others. Right. No one wants to compete yep. uh, on that. And she ended up and from Wyoming – to UCLA. <laughs> yeah, that's quite so a So that, that's not – that's rare. Yeah. And that she tells that story. But, you know, if you want to get recruited, film. You don't – film, edit it, send it. But, but don't spam people. If you pick institutions you really want to go, go to. But you know what, what is a good one? Is if you want to be identified, one, be good. Uh, go to their camps. Not like an ID camp. Go to that camp. If you want to go to UCLA or Stanford, whatever, go to their camp. Yeah, yeah. Not the ones that's like bring a bunch of coaches in. Right. If you have schools you want to go to, it'd be better off to go to their actual camp if that's a place that's you want to go advice. to. Yeah. So th- then, then they know. But you got to be good. Yeah. That, let's start with that. One thing that you mentioned last uh, time I was on your podcast, and it's something I agree with. Maybe you can expand on that because it does tie in with that question is you said something like, I'm going to be very hesitant going forward recommending kids to Division One." So I think what you're saying is, is it better to be a small fish in a big pond or is it better to be a big fish in a small pond kind of thing, if you follow? So Division Two, Division Three, that's frowned upon a little bit by certain soccer families, by certain clubs, because if you come to us, it's Division One. You will play for the biggest teams. 
I wonder if that's again empty promises and then what you might be a marginal bench player is that what you want or is it better to be a starting player play every minute of every game in a division two or a division three school even uh, so I'm going through this right now on the on the girl side I've sent a lot of girls to the division one mm-hmm. and they're all coming back after a year or because, quit because on the women's side soccer's not being played the players I have get recruited because they're technical and the way we play showcases players. So they get offers, go D1, then they go D1 and soccer's not being played anymore. And it's just kick, run, hope, beat up, be fit. That's uh, just, That's it's sad. not soccer at the, at the division one level in a lot of places. And so I produce great film for them. They can showcase themselves because of the style we play. Mm-hmm. But when they get to that level, the coaches are so scared about losing. They're back in the same so BS that they were in playing club. Yeah. It's not like that on the men's side too much because you can okay. – the men's side, it's more technical overall. And the women's side, there's not enough technical players. Gotcha. Um, so you have to have a lot of pieces to, to get to that level. And it's not fun. That's the thing. The joy goes away. Joy is gone. I'm a sentiment. I remember sometimes playing um, – when I moved from Holland to the U.S., we played together for the Sawaros. I'll be honest with you, that was so frustrating. I even quit, I think, midseason because as a sentiment, I was only looking at balls going over my head. Yep. It wasn't soccer. No. No. It's 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 uh, it's a problem. But um, um, we're going to end this segment because I'm about the 30-minute mark, and we'll start another segment. So we'll be right back. And we're back already for segment two. This is Coach Cameron with Rick Tillman, the director of coaching and the president of FC Batavia. Um, we're we're hopeful we can do this weekly. We're going to start. I'm going to get a third mic, and we're going to uh, work on getting uh, some other guests that uh, believe in uh, our same philosophy. And we just need to grow together. We are the minority, and it's if we don't unify together and start doing things together, start talking about it more, we're going to have a hard time overtake or teaching the masses what they're supposed to be doing. Taking, so they, taking the misconceptions away, the misunderstandings, the myths. Because, again, I think I said this last time, whatever you think about the conglomerated clubs, as I call them now, the mega clubs, like certain five merged clubs into one, is that they brand themselves really well. i got to give them that. And maybe there are more people like us that have to yeah counter that, you know? It, it, you know what's my biggest compliment I get? Like, you'll know if you have a kid that was trained by me. Because the stuff they do are different. And I, I love branding the kids I train. Yeah. And I think that's important for any coach that just brand them with your technique. Yes. Put so, your stamp on it. Not yeah. just a kid. Maybe yeah. even a team. People have told me that they know a team without knowing that I'm coaching them, that they got a... Yeah, a Dutch flair or whatever you want to yeah, call it. Yeah, you, you get you definitely get a brand them. And I hear it time and time again that like uh parents or kids will come to me and they're like, Hey, do you know so and so? I'm like, No. And they're like, Oh, they, they said that they knew you were coached by me because they're doing reverse step overs or whatever, because I'll do some like right. crazy stuff just cause to create a love with the ball. Not necessarily doing a game, but just to love the ball. But um but it's interesting to have that. And that's how it was back in the day with Santos. That was before your time here, but Correct. when you got a Santos player transferring from your team to Shamrocks, you know where 
I, I played in, um, which eventually became SC Del Sol, right? With Paul Mariner. Yes. You know, so um, but you knew what you're getting with Santos kid. Yes. You knew where they came from because they were different. Well, the track record is there, right? I think he dropped off what three players now total in the men's national team. At least. Pablo was one of them, of course. Uh, Evan Whitfield. Um, I mean, he, he had so many, so many, and but those were the first players from Arizona that were going to Notre Dame, Duke. I yes. mean, they're going to big Division One right schools. But again, when they were 12 and 13, 14, Luis Dabo was working on technique. That he was not worried about uh, taking a team into a high division or winning this Saturday's game. So again, so let me give you. Uh, so I used to train with Cisco, and at Salido Park, where bullets would just fly by. It's <laughs> right. a dangerous neighborhood. And um, I remember we would always go, and there's this little group of kids together that were trained with the Santos coach. Um, and there's like four of them. Mm-hmm. And they're just dribbling for yeah. like two hours. Yeah. And we go and do our session and stuff, and they're still dribbling, and we're going home. Every day they were there. And then that was the 76 Santos, who oh, ended up winning the – Now we're going back. <laughs> who won the national title like a year later. Dang. And they only had six at the time. But they stayed focused to what mattered was – and especially back then, no one had technique. Mm-hmm. But they did. Yep. And technique one. It is the basis of the game. Yeah. It's it was like, a small small group of six in a little patch of grass, which they probably weren't allowed to be there. They're just training. I love it. And, um, oh, you know who what? Joash Dukes. Yes. It was him. Gotcha. Yeah. Because yeah. Joash Dukes was part of Santos, but he had a split of Trintock. And then they came back together. Trintock uh, and Santos kind of came back to get together with the 76s. I think this is just before my time. Yeah, okay. it, 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 this was when I was a kid. So um, it's definitely before your time over here. Yeah, I moved but, here in 97, so that's way before that. Yeah, they, they won the national title like at Rose Mofford Sports Complex. That was the complex in town, I remember. 7,000 people were there at the game. <laughs> at a youth game. Yeah, they brought in uh, seats and everything. It was amazing. It was on ESPN. It was crazy. Nice. And they could play. Yeah. So anyways, got another question? Yeah, uh, third and last question what is actually from one of my players. His name is Aaron. He's a 2003, who actually is playing up a year for a 2002 team. And he asks, what do coaches really look for in players? Is it talent? Is it coachability? Is it potential? And he doesn't specify which coaches, but why don't you answer from a, from a college coach point of view? What do you look for? How do you identify a player that you want to recruit for your team? Well, I think for uh, at my level... Um, I lo- I'm looking for who's technical, like how they receive the ball, how they uh, are able to combine with their teammates. Can they fit into my system? And, and kids that fit into my system at Phoenix College are ones that can actually hold on to the ball, not lose it, combine well. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is because, you know, they play one, two touch soccer, but they can play that because they're not scared to have the ball. Right. Uh, and you can tell there's a difference. Uh, for You can tell the difference between a player that hasn't spent enough time on the ball and the ones that have because it'll showcase in the game. You can't hide it. You can't you? hide it. No. Um, discipline, uh, your work ethic and all that stuff, it all matters. There's no doubt. Yeah. I typically have to teach that here. That's probably the main thing I teach at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, someone that's technical, that has that drive, has yeah, so that work ethic and all those things, they're they're rare to find. It, yeah. It's not like 
it's hard to find. And typically those are the ones going straight D1 Yeah, uh, is all those characteristics. But um, sometimes, uh, you know, funding's an issue. So coming somewhere at a two-year institution is so much better because it you, you basically almost get paid to come here. Mm-hmm. And then you transition and you get more scholarship offers because you show you can play at the college level. Right. But um, I, I will not stop saying that working on technique at home, making your coach's job a little bit easier when you see him later that day is key. It's seven days a week manipulating the ball. Whether If you can get 10 minutes manipulating the ball before practice or after you, you got to put in the it's time. It's all repetition. It's all muscle memory. It's like playing a piano. You know, you start with scales and you build your way up. And if you don't do it, you always be mediocre. Yep. Very, very simple. Again, last year, last time we, I was on, we talked about the street soccer. You know how I grew up in Holland. Yeah. Literally three, four hours a day. So kids come here to team training three times a week for an hour and a half and think they can make it. Come on, yep. that's a joke. That's laughable. So there's no street soccer here. So somehow we gotta find an alternative to it. Soccer homework yep. is a big one. Maybe at practice, coaches need to sometimes let loose and just play four v four without coaching, without refing. Yeah, and let the kids. And that, that's a good opportunity to do that, and then talk to parents. Say, yes. hey, this is why this is what we're doing. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to wrap up. But before we wrap up, let's talk about um, a little bit about your soccer club. You guys are going to the uh, rising game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, tell us what's going on, everything about FC uh, Batavia. FC Batavia is in its second year. Uh, development is key, so we really uh, work a lot on technique and big proponent of the curve method, indeed, uh, as well. Um, still on the small side, I think we've got 10 teams, just over 100 players, but it's growing, and i got good hopes that it continues growing. And again, we are not getting caught up with the DA, the ECNL, although some of our teams are good enough to get to that level. I have no interest in taking my teams to Chicago and having my parents pay ten, fifteen thousand dollars just so they can say they play at the, that level and they go to that showcase. Where are you guys located at? We are in the North uh, Phoenix area. Our home fields are Desert Broom Park. We are practicing also at Paseo Highlands Park, which is right across the street of that indoor place, ASC, on mm-hmm. Pinnacle and Thirty Fifth. We have Buffalo Ridge on Sixteenth Street and. What is it? Union Hills, just behind yep. North Canyon High School. Uh, and I'm sure I'm forgetting one right now. Uh, or, or Paradise Valley Park, 40th Street and Belt. So okay. that's kind of our, our working area. All right. And then, indeed, on March 7th, I don't know even what weekday that is. I think it's a Friday. Mm-hmm. It's opening night for the Phoenix Rising here, the pro team in town. And FC Batavia kids are going to go out there, be ball boys, ball girls. They do the official walk-on, you know, how they mm-hmm. hold a hand with a soccer player walking onto right. the field. And uh, we invite everybody to come out and uh, and support not just the Phoenix Rising because it is still the highest level uh, in town, in Arizona. The more kids can get exposed to that kind of level, the better. Study the game, watch the players, and, of course, a little bit of free promotion for our Batavia club as well while yeah. we're at it. Yeah. So how, how do we find out more information about FC Batavia? Uh, FCBatavia.com is our website. Um, you can definitely, I recommend you follow us on Instagram at FC Batavia, uh, Facebook, the, the account name escapes me right now, but if you go to, you search w, it. Yeah. I just research it. Honestly, if you type in FC Batavia, all our Instagram and Facebook accounts should hop out. We are redoing the Facebook right now. So it might actually be offline, but Instagram should be live and functional. Check it out and go through all the 250 plus posts that we have. So you can see exactly what we focus on, play development, technique, teaching life lessons, 
And in one word, it's or in one sentence, it would be to find a good balance between super serious about soccer while not forgetting that these kids are still kids. They are not professional athletes making millions of dollars. They've got a home life. They got school. And we got to find a good balance. I think there are clubs in town that go overboard on the extreme competitive side. And then there's, of course, also the, the recreational clubs that are only there to socialize and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, recreational level. I think we found a good, good, good balance between the two. Well, I'd, I'd like to thank you so much for coming back. And I'm hoping we can do this weekly and invite more guests and keep networking because the networking is going to be huge. We need to find more people because ha- talking to you gives me a little bit more energy of like, okay, I, I can get back into Same this. Here. That's and, why I came back. I want to thank you for inviting me back. And honestly, Fridays work out well for me. I will come out anytime, especially yeah, but, if we can maybe indeed expand it and get yeah. guys the I'll, coaches I'll tr- we mentioned. I'll try earlier. to get Milos Tomic or Boris. And, uh, That'd be great. Da- I would love to get Diego on. love to pick his brain. Yeah. Uh, soccer. Shout out to Tony Vaz at Phoenix uh, Phoenix Rush. Also thinks the same way about us. Yeah, let's... And of course, also shout out to one of our fallen colleagues very recently, Coach Omid. I don't yep. know if you know knew him, yep. but... Competed against him. Competed yep. against him, yeah. Yep. Also thought the right way. Not one of those tribal coaches who are only there to protect their own little club and their own little kingdom. I think Umit was one of those guys who had the best interest in mind for any kids, regardless of what uh, color shirt they were wearing. Yeah. Maybe we'll sneak Mark Curlin on as well. Yes, Mr. Curlin. It's, it's a little far Absolutely. from all the way. He, he can He'll make it down. out here. He'll come down. Yeah, he's been over here. He's, he's borrowed stuff from me before. So. There you go. Um, all right. Well, uh, we're going to close this up, and we look forward to uh, talking again next week. And thank you so much for your time. Uh, this is Coach Cameron uh, with Rick Tillman with FC Potavia. And uh, we're out. Goodbye.